Hey, running crew. Happy New Year. Today, we are listening to a rerun episode. This aired back in like spring of 2022 or something along those lines. The episode we're listening to today is the coverage of Revenge of the Trees. The reason I want to play this one is because in an upcoming episode, we'll be covering Global Grilling. We see Shake's disregard for the environment there. Well, we see it in full display here as well. Plus, Revenge of the Trees. It's a great episode. But also, I learned something. I don't think I said this in this podcast episode that you're about to hear because it was in the past. God dang it. I didn't know this then. And what I learned is that I guess it's Dana Snyder doing the shrub attorney. So that little shrub guy, that's actually Dana Snyder doing that. I heard that over on Craig Rowan's podcast. Great bit of trivia. Enjoy the episode. Have a great beginning of your new year. Why don't you? See you later. Dancing is forbidden. 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 You who running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time, and the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 2, Episode 13, Revenge of the Trees. Okay, in the sheet. Anywhere or... Not in the hair. Revenge of the Trees, premiering October 12th, 2003, and a similar title on this one to Season 1's Revenge of the Moon and Nights. Of course, though, no relation, and Revenge of the Moon and Nights made sense in the fact that the Moon Knights were coming back, and in this episode, we have yet to see the trees, but they're going to get revenge for something that happens in the episode. This episode, one that I've heard from a lot of you that you really love, so I'm excited to dig into it. I have lots of fond memories of this one myself, so we'll get into that soon enough, but of course, before that, we've got all sorts of other stuff to talk about. First and foremost, we've got our Aqua Teen news, and I want to mention that Dave Willis has been in two podcasts these past few weeks. First of all, the Radio Labyrinth podcast, which he has been on before, where he discussed, amongst other things, the fact that he suspects the film will be out sometime in November. That's what he said. Now, I know Dana Snyder has said, you know, over the summer, but we now have Dave Willis saying November. So, of course, who really knows? It's not like either of those guys set the release date. But yeah, as far as we know, the film isn't done yet. Dave Willis said that they're finishing it up this month in in May of 2022. And we'll go from there. If I hear anything else, I'll let you know. But as of now, the most recent thing is Dave Willis suspecting in November. So definitely check out that episode of the Radio Labyrinth podcast, link to that in the show notes. And like I said, Dave was in another podcast, the Goat Dads podcast, which is co-hosted by Nick Gibbons, who worked on Aqua Teen. And I had never heard of that podcast until now, until I saw them posting about having Dave on. It turns out they've had all sorts of Adult Swim guys. They've had Dana Snyder. They've had Casper Kelly. They've had Mike Schatz, who plays Emery in Aqua Teen. So, so just a great podcast. Really, really funny, even without the, the other Aqua Teen guests on it. It's a, it's a really solid podcast. So check it out, the Goat Dads podcast. It's about parenting. You know, I'm not a parent, I'm not a dad yet, but I still find it interesting, I still find it entertaining. Check it out. Link to that in the show notes. Moving on to our podcast news this week. Reminder that the sticker giveaway is still going on for the holographic Carl taking a dump on the super toilet that's over on the Instagram, that's over on the Twitter, both at Aqua Teen Pod. 
Of course, link to that in the show notes. And there's also the podcast exclusive giveaway going on. All you got to do is rate or review the show and send me a screenshot of that. Unfortunately, I was notified that on Amazon Podcasts, whatever that's called, you cannot rate or review anything. You know, Jeff Bezos is like, ah, I'm not making money off this shit. Don't fucking put any sort of functionality or anything. Don't help people trying to find new podcasts. Uh, that's what I've been told. So unfortunate there. But to be clear, because I don't feel like I was clear initially in the announcement of this giveaway, these are three separate giveaways, a separate one for the podcast, separate one for the Instagram, a separate one for the Twitter. So of course you can enter all three and the giveaway ends May 11th, which is this Wednesday after this episode comes out. So hey, get on it. Otherwise, I am letting you know now that next Monday there will not be a normal deep dive because I am taking some time to do something that I wanted to do from the very first episode of this podcast, which I talked about in that Rabot episode, which is I'm going to be finally making that video comparing the official Rabot episode that we have, you know, out now to the rough draft version that is on the volume one disc. So I have set that up. I've been going through it. And it's really interesting to see some things they changed. For example, some voice lines are literally the same exact lines between the two cuts, but then they kind of diverge a little bit. And yeah, it's just fun to go through that. Unfortunately, that has to be in a video format. I can't just make it a podcast episode for obvious reasons. You know, there's some visual differences and stuff that need to be gone over there. A little bit easier to do in video format on YouTube. So keep an eye out for that. But I will also have an interview that I did with listener of the show, fan of Aqua Teen, Megan Rooney, in conjunction with this Revenge of the Trees episode, because Megan is a lawyer. So I thought it'd be fun to talk to her and get kind of a, a lawyer's perspective on this episode, because of course we have tree court, all that good stuff. I was going to throw that into this episode, but the interview ended up being longer than I expected it would be. So I'll just make that its own thing and I'll kind of spread that out just so, just so you get something from me on this podcast feed as well. So yeah, look out for that interview with Megan. It was a great talk. And just to be clear here, this month of May 2022, we actually have five Mondays. So after our uh, kind of off week next week, we will be back in action with our next episode, Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary. And then the next Monday after that, our coverage into the Brood Wrap Aquadonk side piece, as well as over on the Patreon continuing our deep dive into the 2007 film. So that's what the rest of our month is looking like. Just wanted to let you know. And yeah, I'm just so excited to finally do that Rabot video because it's been on my mind since I said it. What was it? Last last July, last August, something like that. I'm excited to finally get that out there so we can see the evolution of that seminal, that important Aqua Teen episode. On to our community stuff here. Over on the Dancing is Forbidden Discord server, Speedbeats has been real busy here, and he actually found us some additional information regarding we got us some medicalwaste.com. So there was this pop-up that, of course, when I go back to it on the Wayback Machine, I don't get, but Speedbeats has all the information here, and I can read you what the pop-up is supposed to say. So it says this. No funny cards, just good old hard cash. Tater gets right nasty when UNs don't pay up. This and one time, this joker asked if we take checks. Well, Tater got out the old poking stick, good piece of white pine from Ned's lumber, and told him to put down the $4.28. Well, that guy just took off like a coon out of a cap factory, and Tater went out with the 4x4 and chased him down yonder till he coughed up that money. Tater done a good job. That joker was getting a bright, shiny spleen. Taint hardly been stepped on but once. So that is the pop-up there. I love the little reference to Ned's Lumber. 
I assume poking fun at Ned Hastings, an editor on the show. But yeah, I really appreciate Speedbeats posting that. And it's just so fun to see this whole narrative that they built around this fake website that they made for this one episode. It's just crazy. And speaking of Speedbeats, he's also been to work on some other things. For example, re-uploading the wizard.com website. So check the show notes for that. He he had the code for it. He threw it into some sort of flash replicator, something along those lines. Look, I'm not a programmer. I don't understand this shit, but he got it working as close to possible. He doesn't have all the pop-ups working quite yet, and I think he kind of needs to find the original images they used which Funny Star Runner over on the Discord says that he might have the pop-up saved on, a, on an old computer. So we'll see, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's up in the air. But yeah, for sure, check the show notes. Check out what that wizard.com website looked like back in the day. There's some original audio in it too that they recorded for it that isn't in the Aqua Teen episode. So I would suggest checking it out. Looping around back to Total Recall, though, we did a poll over on the Instagram and the Twitter asking which form that Carl takes in the episode do you most prefer? And we got some conflicting results here. It's quite interesting. So of the four options I was able to put, we had Tree Carl, Dead Black Carl, Eyeball Carl, and Tonka Truck Carl. So over on Twitter, we had 79 voters and Eyeball Carl won out uh, by a very large margin with 45.6% of the vote. From there, we had Tonka Truck Carl with 25.3%, Dead Black Carl with 16.5%, and Tree Carl with only 12.7%. So thank you, everybody, over on Twitter for voting. Over on Instagram, the results were a bit more spread out. Instagram had 87 voters, and winning the number one spot, we had Tonka Truck Carl with 32% of the vote, Eyeball Carl with 31% of the vote, so Tonka Truck Carl just slightly edging out Eyeball Carl there. Then we had Dead Black Carl with 22% of the vote, and Tree Carl with 15% of the vote. So I know we've got four options here. It doesn't work wonderfully in this audio format. But the big takeaway here is over on the Twitter, we had Eyeball Carl just taking o- almost half of the votes there. And then on Instagram, Tonka Truck Carl taking the win with only one more vote than Eyeball Carl. And then on uh, both polls here, we had Dead Black Carl coming in second to last and Tree Carl coming in last. So thank you, of course, everyone for voting in those polls. Always fun to see the results. And it's fun to see Carl as a tree in that episode, considering the very next episode is Revenge of the Trees where maybe he could have fit in a little bit more if he just kept that form. And I'm going to tease you here and let you know that coming up in this episode of Aqua Teen, we have a slight little Total Recarl throwback, a little reference perhaps. So we'll talk about it when we get there. But all right, moving on, we got a voice message from Kalani a while ago, and he sent me two. He sent me one I played previously, and then he sent me one that I wanted to play with Revenge of the Trees because it's one of his favorite episodes Let's give it a listen. couple of my favorite episodes, definitely anything to do with the ghosts of Christmas past. But my personal favorite for the longest time was always Revenge of the Trees. Can't, can't think of any better of a perfect Aqua Teen episode that has Carl involved as both hating them and liking them at the same time with the fried cow. And how come is Meatwad eating himself, essentially? He is ground beef, right? <laughs> and then he's eating cow. I know he's dipping his finger in the batter bucket, but you got to assume he got into the cow at some point. And then, I mean, Shake's just a complete asshole the whole video, too. It's, I think it's still my favorite episode. And I'm also a cook as well. So 
I think just my love for food kind of stems into frying a whole cow that's stuffed with a pig rolled in ranch dressing. That just something seems great about that. Kalani bringing up a really great point about this episode that Carl, he's kind of buddies with them at first. And, and as you know from listening to this podcast, those are my favorite moments of Aqua Teen, typically, like the MCP Pants episode, whenever Carl's getting along with them. But then he always ends up getting screwed over in the end, which is, you know, a funny twist and turn of itself. And fun observation there from Kalani about Meatwad dipping his hand in the batter. Yeah, I mean, who knows? He, he might have gotten into that cow. We don't see it. We see them start to eat it. But you have to assume that he might want some of that. He, he wants what Shake and Carl are having. You know what, Kalani? I think one day you can do it, man. You can flash fry a whole cow. I think you can recreate this. Look, I'm currently working out the idea to make a weenie smoothie like, like Meatwad made. I think you can do your own YouTube video making the cow from Revenge of the Trees. I, I think you can do it. You'll get lots of hits. Thank you, Kalani, for that message. I'm glad I could finally play it. And speaking of YouTube hits, we have someone listening over on YouTube miscellaneous dan m-i-s-c-d-a-n 64 coming in with a message let's hear what dan's got to say ayo i just stumbled across this podcast while waiting for aquadong side pieces and immediately i love what you're doing hope you get to cover the whole show in its entirety someday all the movies coming out all the shorts all that good stuff anyway my history with the show i think i was in like grade school when i first stumbled upon it then the night not sure what year exactly, but I do remember it was Universal Remonster that caught my eye. I remember Shake wailing on the TV. I remember something about Taco Island that stuck out in my mind. Weirdest thing ever. And I wouldn't come back to it until like uh, 2010 when I was rewatching stuff from like season four. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. Funnily enough, this was around the time they hit 100 episodes, so I thought, well, shit, I need to marathon this whole thing, see what clicks. And shortly enough, I fell in love with the characters and all the wacky shenanigans that went on, and the rest was history. Loved Season 8, probably one of my favorites. Season 9 was alright. Season 10, some bangers, some hits and misses, and then the show would end. was pretty devastated, but I'm glad they're making a comeback. Anyway, here's hoping for the best. You keep doing what you're doing, and uh, yeah, I'll catch you on the flip. Dan, thank you so much for sharing your origin story with us. I really love hearing when people resonate with the later Aqua Teen seasons, because I am not as familiar with those. Of course, I have, I have seen episodes from all the seasons, and my assumption going into this was always just that people would want to hear about the, the older seasons, and that's it. So whenever I hear people talk about the newer seasons, it makes me excited to get into those, because this season two, I mean, this is my bread and butter. I, I've watched these countless times, but I'm excited to go into, into your guys' territory, the newer episodes and discuss those too but really appreciated all the nice things you had to say and definitely yeah my 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 dream is to discuss every full episode all the shorts everything everything we can talk about i want to talk about it and since dan commented on one of the youtube videos i checked out his youtube channel he actually has a review of the aqua teen hunger force zombie ninja pro-am the the golfing uh, Aqua Teen game, which I still haven't played yet. I still plan to play it. That was an early Patreon goal that we hit, and then nobody mentioned it, so I don't know if anybody even knew or, or cares. But I would like to play through that game sometime, probably over on Twitch. But uh, yeah, I still, you know, just, just another thing on the pile of things to get to. Look, I'm already getting over to the 
Rabot video I mentioned in the first episode of the podcast. These things take time, but I'll get to it. But yeah, check out Dan's review of it. I really enjoyed it. I, I'm not super familiar with the game. Like I said, I never played it, and I don't know a whole lot about it other than some very basic things. So it was cool to watch what he thought of it, just so I can kind of prepare myself. So link to that in the show notes. Check out Dan's video, would you? So thank you, Kalani and Dan, for those voice messages. If you'd like to send in your own voice message, your Aqua Teen origin story, your favorite episode, whatever, whatever Aqua Teen stuff you got for me, head on over to speakpipe.com slash dancing is forbidden, or just check the show notes. I already wrote it out there for you. You click on it, you record it, you send it in. I'll edit it for you, make you sound like a superstar. But all right, that is our Aqua Teen news, our podcast stuff, our community section. Let's head on over and see what the heck was going on the week that Revenge of the Trees premiered. Waking up from a coma, stealing the pussy wagon, and setting off on its bloody path all the way to the top of the box office this week, we have Kill Bill Volume 1 bringing in a fat $22 million this week. Just insane. I had no idea that this movie did as well as it did. Kill Bill, uh, Volume 1 and 2, both films I have seen, not when they came out. I was too young for that, probably about 10 years later. But solid films, I remember liking them when I saw them. And I mean, hey, it's, it's, a, it's a Tarantino flick. You can't really go wrong with it. Kill Bill Volume 1 starring Uma Thurman, Lucy Liu, and Vivica A. Fox, amongst many, many others. There are no shared cast or crew between Kill Bill Volume 1 and Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but Kill Bill Volume 1 is repping an 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb and an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Just a good film, at least from my memories of it. Maybe it sucks, I don't know. I remember there's one scene in it, I think it was this one, uh, Volume 1, where Uma Thurman is fighting all these ninja guys and they are just so clearly not even doing anything. Kind of like in Star Wars, how the, the stormtroopers are just blasting everywhere, but they're not hitting anything. Very similar to that, but brought to the extreme on purpose, of course. You just see these ninja guys just literally just moving their swords back and forth in place. It's, it's really silly. I've got some TV news here for you as well. This a little bit old, but it's within the same month. On October 4th, we have Kenan Thompson making his first appearance as a Saturday Night Live cast member and he would eventually become the longest-serving cast member in SNL history. So, October 4th, 2003, that's when it's going down. And then, on October 6th, we have Nicktoons TV relaunching as just Nicktoons. Good move. All right, that's it for film, television. Let's hear what album was dominating the airwaves this week in 2003. One, two, three, uh! My baby don't mess around because she loves me so and this I know for sure. That's right, we have Outcast with Speaker Box slash The Love Below, their fifth album, which is actually like two solo albums combined. We had Big Boy with Speaker Box and then Andre 3000 with The Love Below. The song I just played being Hey Ya off of The Love Below section. Let's listen to something off of Speaker Box for a second. <laughs> Thing. 
Never let them see you sweat. Never let them be a threat. And your feelings you must protect them. As well as direct them. Must keep step out of harm. Out of dangerous way. Let's play this play when you graduate and move on. True. Happiness is not acquired and you won't find it for sale. Unless you in jail. You try to get a bail. Mom into going and post that bail. You would be happy as hell. You thought you was happy until that court that came. Couldn't abort that case. Nobody to take your place. Family home is at stake. Too late to escape and get on the run. That song being Big Boy's Unhappy. And yeah, we just have two albums here trying to push hip-hop in a new direction. Big Boy with a little bit more unconventional beats. And Andre 3000 just going completely out of left field and making just straight-up pop songs at certain points, injecting pop music into hip-hop, which wasn't super common at the time. I know Kanye West would come up and keep doing that same thing and kind of blowing that up more, but... Andre 3000, early to the scene in terms of contemporary hip-hop with that. My understanding being that Andre 3000 recorded most of his album just at his house or something along those lines. He didn't do it in a conventional studio. He did a lot of it by himself. And yeah, that whole side just really Prince-inspired too, if you like Prince, check that out. Overall, I actually listened to this full album, The Speaker Box, The Love Below, at work a couple weeks ago in preparation for this because, of course, I'm familiar with Outkast and I, I love Hey Ya. It, it's just a classic song and I, I like a lot of Big Boy stuff too. And I never heard this full album, so I listened to the full thing and honestly, I feel like it's a little bit too long. That, that's just my impression of it. I actually preferred the Speaker Box album, Big Boy's Offering, over... Andre 3000s, but I already knew that I was a bigger big boy fan than Andre 3000. That's all right. Still love Hey Ya. It's probably my favorite Outkast song, but you know, big boy, he's a little underrated, I think. And the reason this is two albums is because Outkast put out their previous album, Stank Anya, in 2000, so about three years previous, and that album was huge. It was a huge hit. But even on that album, you had Andre 3000 and Big Boy kind of wanting to do different things at certain points, so they really took it to the extreme on this one. They wanted to just do solo albums, I think, but their label was like, no, you guys should put something out as Outkast, not out as, you know, yourselves, because Stank Anya was huge. And I mean, hey, it paid off. It's our top-selling album this week. With over 509,000 units sold, that is absolutely insane. Now, I don't know, because this is a double disc, I don't know if that's actually like 250,000. I mean, even that is still a huge number compared to a lot of the other albums we talk about for this. Because I know for certification purposes, for like platinum albums and stuff, if it's a double disc, one sale counts as two. But I could see this being, honestly, over 509,000 just, you know, sets of the of both discs being sold because this was huge i mean hey ya was everywhere at the time and, and big boy had the way you move the song unhappy i played he had some hits on his side as well not to mention that the andre 3000 side the love below also has the song roses which is gigantic but yeah that's speaker box the love below I, i've always loved hey ya that video is incredible and Big Boy, his section, in my opinion, just as good, maybe even better. That's just me personally, though. I know that's not the popular opinion. But all right, moving on from our top album. Again, our top songs this week, we have Baby Boy in the mainstream charts and Stains So Far Away on the alternative charts. Uh, backing up, of course, that is Beyonce's Baby Boy, if you haven't heard the previous episodes. So we've talked about both those songs. Real quick, I want to shout out two bands I love put out albums this past week. We have both on October 7th, Coheed and Cambria coming out with In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. What a title, Coheed and Cambria. I've talked about them before. They're like a sci-fi concept band, so of course their album titles are kind of funky, but it all makes sense if you look into the storyline. And then we also have Static X with Shadow Zone. Not an album I think is super great, but it has a lot of songs on it that I really loved, especially back at the time. I was about 9, 10 at the time, 
and my cousin Katie, she had this album by Static X, Shadow Zone. She'd play it. I, I, I'd watch the music videos at her house, and I loved it. So even though I don't listen to that album much now, I, I can hear some of those singles, and it takes me back to 2003. So that's it for our music. Let's head on over to video games and see what we got going on and something I am excited to talk about that I did not know until preparing for this podcast episode was on the 6th and 7th over in North America on the Game Boy Advance, we got a game called Demi Kids Light Version and Demi Kids Dark Version. And I'm like, what is this? So I look into it and the full title is Shin Megami Tensei Devil Children. Of course, I have gushed about the SMT games on this podcast many times before. I had no idea these existed. And this is kind of like Atlas, the uh, developer of the games, their response to Pokemon. Now, SMT came well before Pokemon. SMT dates back to the 80s. Pokemon didn't come into play until the mid to late 90s. But this is supposed to be more kiddie in a way. I mean, assuming you haven't ever played a Shin Megami Tensei game, there's a lot of nudity in the main game. Well, not a lot of nudity, but but basically it's like Pokemon, but with demons, and it's a lot more mature in theme. So this dialed back a little bit because these games were rated E as opposed to T or M like the other games. But I mean, seeing pictures of some of the demons in the game, it's it's still not like Pokemon level safe for children, in my opinion. And yeah, releasing with two versions, there's light version and dark version here. There actually was a version on the Game Boy Color called Black Book and Red Book, and then they made a middle version called White Book. And then they made sequels to light version and dark version called Book of Fire and Book of Ice. So yeah, they really followed the Pokemon trend of having two versions of the games, like Pokemon at this period had Ruby and Sapphire out, and they eventually put out a middle version, Emerald version. So this is this is Atlas really taking a crack at this, and I had never heard of it before. I didn't know that they did something like this. The big difference here, it seems to me, so Pokemon does put out their two versions, but they're more or less the same game. In some later games, they try and differentiate between them more, but but this game, the Demi Kids games, the two versions really seem quite different. I'm sure they're not like completely different games, but they seem like there's enough different to really justify them being different games. As opposed to Pokemon, I mean, the original games, Red and Blue, the only real differences were which Pokemon you can get in which game, so it was just a real, a real cash grab, forcing people to buy multiple copies if they wanted to get them all themselves. This doesn't seem to be the case. These seem to be two separate games, maybe they're linked in a way, but yeah. Really cool to look into this and see this whole line of games I had not ever heard about. Would love to try them someday, but... Man, I gotta play that Aqua Teen game first. I can't be picking up any new games right now. So, alright, you just saw Uma Thurman kicking ass in theaters. It was insane, and you're so stoked for Volume 2 next year. Well, after seeing the movie, you're driving on over to the Best Buy to pick up your Demi Kids Light version copy, and you hear this song on the radio. It's called Hey Ya, super catchy. Fuck, now you gotta buy that CD at Best Buy too. God damn it, they get you every time. Well, you get the CD, and after listening to both discs, you're fucking exhausted now. This thing's over two hours long. You just need to lay down. Let's see what's on Adult Swim tonight. Let's uh, get our stamina back watching some Adult Swim. First up, you know it, 11 p.m. we got The Big O with The Big Fight. 11.30 p.m. we get The Brack Show with Coma. And 11.45 p.m. we get Aqua Teen Hunger Force with Revenge of the Trees. All three of these are new episodes. And while trawling around on YouTube, I actually found what I assume is Dave Willis playing a little song that they would play on Adult Swim at this time, advertising for these three shows. So let me play it for you. There was a time, that time is Sunday, the Brack Show followed by 
Thank you to the YouTube channel Analog Complex for that upload. This coming from October 2003, later in the month, probably towards the tail end of October. But I thought it'd be fun to play now. And as we've been saying, these are our only new episodes. And Dave Willis, at least I assume that's him. I'm 98% sure it's Dave Willis, plays a song about it. Very silly. We hear him playing guitar all the time in the commentaries and stuff, so I know he plays guitar. Sounds like him. I assume it's him, but I'm absolute dog shit at telling voices, which we will see later in this Aqua Dean episode, so I want to leave it a little open-ended for you, but I think it's safe to say it's old Dave Willis strumming the strings, singing his voice real nice. Visually, while that song is playing, we just get clips of the show. We get clips of Brack show, we get clips of Aqua Teen, and then we get some clips of Big O at the very end when Dave Willis mentions it. And I want to mention here that Big O is almost over, and we've got some stuff to talk about in a future episode about Big O, but that's not for today. Let's keep on with our Adult Swim lineup tonight. We have C-Lab 2021 at midnight with Tin Fins. At 12.15 a.m., we get Space Ghost Coast to Coast with Urges. At 12.30 a.m., we get Home Movies with Time to Pay the Price. 1 a.m., Trigun with Hang Fire, and 1.30 a.m., we get Cowboy Bebop with Wild Horses. So that is our lineup this night, the same lineup we've really been seeing, nothing too crazy here, but our schedule is going to be changing kind of soon, and I gotta say, you know, we spent all this time, like, what is this schedule? This schedule sucks. No, I'm kind of sad to see it go soon, but it's all right. It's not gone yet. It's still here, and tonight, we have Revenge of the Trees. Let's go talk about it. Check it out. Now, when I'm walking down the street, I'm getting stopped left and right from rabid listeners, grabbing me by the shoulders, shaking me, asking, Ronnie, where do you recycle your used cooking oil? And I say, what are you fucking stupid? I use the waste oil recyclers serving Greater Philadelphia, Baltimore to Lancaster to New Jersey and down the coast. 100% of their recycled oil ends up in domestically used biofuels. They guarantee it. I know you're asking, Ronnie, you live in Minnesota. What the fuck are you doing with waste oil recyclers? Look, don't worry about it. Call them now, 484-436-2190. Start your free service now. Guys, it's a local company with a global perspective. Their service is totally free, and they are promising cleanliness, efficiency, promptness. Waste oil recyclers, they are not messing around because your mess is their treasure. Head on over to wasteoilrecyclers.com. Use promo code DANCINGISFORBIDDEN for 10% off your next oil extraction. And I know you're asking, Ronnie, isn't it free? Yes, it is. They'll pay you to take your oil. Wasteoilrecyclers.com. Let them recycle your used oil. 
This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is also, as always, brought to you by the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden, selling their used oil to get money to fund this podcast. And oiling it up this week, signing on at the number one in the Hood G $10 tier, we have Robison. Really appreciate you joining on there. Robinson's been talking to me on Instagram, telling me he actually used to work at McDonald's and would use that money to buy Aqua Teen DVDs. So this man knows all about oil. But yes, thank you for signing on, Robinson. Appreciate it so much. And you know what's going on on the Patreon. We're covering the 2007 film, and it's a good time. So if you want to support the podcast, you know what to do. But if you can't do it financially, just talk about the show. Share the show. Post about the show. Go on Steam and leave some comments on some game reviews with food in it and say, check out this Aqua Teen podcast. I don't know. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Revenge of the Trees premiering October 12th, 2003 with a TV PG DV rating for suggestive dialogue and violence, but it now airs with a TV PG LV rating for infrequent coarse language and violence. Why this change? I don't really know. I tried looking it up a bit, but I couldn't really figure anything out. So who cares? You know what I do care about, though? This is the Aqua Teen episode with the most voice actors that we have covered so far. Fortunately, though, we've covered everyone here. We've talked about everybody who will be reappearing because it's mostly people who just worked on the show who were comfortable being behind a mic for some of these more minor tree roles. But I'll just read you the cast really quickly. Of course, we have Dana Snyder, Carrie Means, Dave Willis, C. Martin Croker, the absolute unit of voice acting right there. But we also have Matt Malero. Jay Edwards, Jim Fortier, Ned Hastings, Nick Inkatanawat, and Vishal Roney coming in hot on voice duties here. So that's 10 voice actors. We're in for a treat. Unfortunately, when it comes to the trees, I'm going to let you know up front, I don't really know who's who. It's hard for me to tell because all their voices are modulated or, or pitched up or down in some way. And a lot of these guys, I'm not super familiar with their acting voices. Like, I know what Jay Edwards sounds like when he's talking and when he's being himself, but if he's doing a voice, I'm not necessarily going to be able to pick that up. So when we get to it, I'll try and diagnose more who is who if I can, but no promises. And of course, I appreciate you listening along despite uh, my failings here. <laughs> hey, hey, Aqua Teen podcast guy, who voices that character? F- fuck, I don't know. Anyways, moving on with this episode, of course, with a Dr. Weird skit set in the scene, but this one isn't so clear cut. While I can't tell you who plays which tree, I can tell you some history behind this Dr. Weird skit. So, we open in on Steve. He is standing there with a bucket on his head pretending to be Dr. Weird in a mocking way. He's making fun of Dr. Weird to their janitor, Javier, who we have never seen yet. He appears to be balding, but he also has a ponytail in the back, and then he has a cool sideburn into mustache facial hair situation, which is pretty nice. He's wearing a typical janitor outfit, and then he's standing there with a floor buffer or, or waxer or something along those lines. And unfortunately, uh, playing on our theme here of me being a dumbass when it comes to voices, I don't know who's voicing him. Nobody else is listed in the credits on this episode, so I have to assume it's somebody on the staff. And, you know, I mean, your guess is as good as mine in terms of who can speak Spanish like this. I have no idea, but that's besides the point. We are world building here a little bit. We see there's more than just Dr. Weird and Steve who work at this lab. We also have a janitor who he will come back. But anyways, back to our skit here. Steve is making fun of Dr. Weird and he says, gentlemen, fill me up with barbecue sauce because I'm dumb as hell. 
And in the skit itself, they are standing in front of that garage door that opens that unveils Dr. Weird's creations. Well, that opens up. And of course, you can hear it. Steve doesn't seem to notice, though. And we have Javier freaking out, pointing. And then we see a giant floating Dr. Weird head that just bites off Steve's head. It's just just a little noise. It's really funny. And then his body falls over onto Javier and explodes. And that's it. That's the whole skit. The history segment here is this. In the Broodwitch episode, which is episode 16 of this season, Dr. Weird is actually trying to fill himself with barbecue sauce. So you might be thinking, yeah, Ronnie, cool, who cares? They went back and actually did it. No, the production codes on these suggest that the Broodwitch episode is actually the 10th episode produced for this season, while Revenge of the Trees was the 14th episode produced. So that whole barbecue sauce skit was very likely written before this one. So in their writing timeline here, they actually did have Dr. Weird fill himself up with barbecue sauce in some weird attempt, and then they had Steve go back and make fun of him for it. But in the airing order, Steve makes fun of him for it first, and then a few episodes later, Broodwitch will actually air. So yeah, if you look at the production numbers here, it kind of paints a different picture and puts this all in a different light of Steve actually mocking Dr. Weird for something that he did, at least I assume when they wrote the episodes, as opposed to in the airing order, it seems like he's being random and then they decide to go back and actually do this. Either way, it's funny, but I just found that really interesting by looking at the production codes here. So yes, as far as I know, Broodwitch was written at this point. They just pushed it back to November 2nd, 2003. Possibly because, you know, that's around Halloween time and they wanted to do this darker, more eviler episode then rather than right now in mid-October. Of course, the caveat to all this is that I don't have confirmation on this, but just looking at the production codes on Wikipedia, on the Aqua Teen Wiki, it's pretty self-explanatory. So, all right, with all of that out of the way, let's listen to this short Dr. Weird clip. Gentlemen! Fill me with barbecue sauce, because I'm dumb as hell. Yeah, I know, Javier. <laughs> just, a, just a little boop, just a little, a sweet little noise as giant Dr. Weird's head bites off Steve's head. Very funny. Oh, and there's also blood squirting out of his neck, too, which is hilarious. Pretty violent, you know? We don't see a whole lot of blood on this show, but this episode is probably the most violent that we've gotten so far, because... In Total Recall, that episode was pretty dark with all the body horror stuff going on, but we don't actually see a whole lot of awful stuff. You know, we see blood flying out of the super toilet, but here we're going to see some skin getting ripped off of Carl's body and stuff. Really horrible. Excited to talk about it. But before we get to all that gruesomeness, we're actually having a good time. We're having a party. The Aqua Teens are grilling out. It's Labor Day. They just want to relax and have fun. We open up to Frylock grilling some soy steaks which are just, they look like steaks, but they're completely white. It's supposed to be soy. And he is in Carl's backyard cooking on the grill that we first saw in Space Conflict from Beyond Pluto. I want to point out that these steak assets on the grill are not the same meat that we saw in that episode. I figured they would just take the same meat asset and just make it all white, but they didn't. This is a a new asset as far as I can tell. Our shot pulls out and we hear a door close and we see Carl coming outside from his back door And there is just one lone pink balloon kind of floating by his head. That's all they have is one balloon. We see Meatwad is there, and there is a camcorder on the ground, a camera. And it is the same one that we saw in the first episode of this season, Super Birthday Snake. So same asset there. And Carl is holding a cooler 
It looks extremely similar to the one that we first saw in Dumber Days and then again in Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past. However, it's not bloody. There, there aren't as many stains on it, although it is all dinged up on this far shot. However, Carl will walk up to the grill and open the cooler for, for Frylock to put something in there. And it's like completely clean. And so you can see in the far shot that it's dirty and kind of dinged up and gross. Then in the close shot when it's open, it's perfectly, <laughs> perfectly brand new looking. So funny little discrepancy there. Otherwise, the only other visual element here worth referencing is that Carl will pop their one balloon and he uses a fork. It looks to be a new asset. He just kind of pulls it out and, and pops the one balloon they have. And now I did go back to the Super Birthday Snake episode because I remembered that Shake is poking Meatwad with a fork in one of those virtual reality worlds. So I'm like, oh, is that the same fork? But it's not. That's a different fork than the one that we see here. So, okay, we're about to head into the scene, but I would be remiss. I would be making a big fat mistake if I didn't let you know that all the fires coming out of this grill are the classic Aqua Teen Space Ghost campfire asset. Let's give this whole thing a listen. Hey, Carl, welcome to the barbecue. Okay, Carl, look in the camera, state your name, and what you like best about me. Hey, <laughs> zoom in on this. Happy Labor Day! <laughs> that was our one balloon. What do you got in there? I need it in this cooler. My show's about to start. You don't want to hang out, Carl? Look at what I got here on the grill. Oh, what the hell is that? They're T-bones, Carl, huh? Yeah, the T stands for tofu. Look at that cut of bean. Okay, have a crappy weekend. Hope your house burns down. <laughs> Carl throws the cooler down and starts walking away. Which doesn't make sense. Where is he going? He's walking away from his house here. But of course, for staging, that's kind of what they got to do. I did make a mistake. I said that these were soy steaks. They are actually tofu steaks that Frylax says. Although my understanding is tofu is made out of soy or something along those lines. So... Kind of right, but yes, they are tofu, not soy. I feel like back then, tofu was the big kind of, uh, quote, fake product or ingredient that you would hear about all the time. Now it's more so soy, even though, I, like I said, I, I believe that soy is in tofu. And this being a fun joke because Frylock's like, oh, we have, we have tofu steaks. It's literally just tofu that's shaped to look like a steak. Otherwise, I doubt it tastes like steak or anything like that, as opposed to an impossible burger, which is made from plants or, or whatever. And that's, you know, hey, it's, it's still not healthy for you. It still tastes kind of close to a burger. It's not that bad. This being just an extreme kind of jab at this kind of substitute food, I suppose. And of course, you heard me laughing, but I have to mention it. This is one of my favorite jokes of the show. It's just right off the bat, Meatwad's there. Here, Carl, look into this camcorder and state your name and what you like best about me. <laughs> He's just trying to get people to say nice things about him. I wish we could have explored that a little more, but I think just the, the, the short, concise joke is just hilarious. Then Carl just pops the balloon. Nah, I'm not doing nothing nice for you, Meatwad. So yeah, Carl's mad because he's like, I'm not going to eat this tofu bullshit. He throws the cooler down, starts walking away from his house for whatever reason. But Master Shake shows up. He's actually going to save the day here for Carl. We see Shake is standing there with a green wheelbarrow full of just a cow. And these are both, of course, new assets to my knowledge. And in my chat with Megan Rooney, she points out... What is the scaling on this? Because cows are huge. So is this, a, is this a mini cow? What's going on here? Megan brings up a great point there. Again, that episode will be out within the following week. Apologies here. But yeah, I have to give her credit for that because that's a great observation that I did not pick up on myself. How big is Master Shake? Who knows? Anyways, let's head into that short clip. Hey, Carl, wait a minute. Hang on. Don't go. Look, I got the real meat right here. All right. That's what I'm talking about there. <laughs> Where'd you get that? At a farm. Shake, <laughs> it would take all day to smoke something that big. Smoke it? What are you smoking? Because I ain't <laughs> slow cooking, Jack. 
Shake reveals that he is not slow cooking this cow. Also, I'd like to point out how heavy would this be to push in a wheelbarrow? That's insane. Shake much stronger than he gives himself credit for. But Shake shows us what he's going to do with this cow. We go around front of the Aqua Teen's house and parked in their driveway is a giant vat of oil. So he's going to fry this thing. We also see the rent-a-hoist that has shown up a lot throughout the series. We also see some sort of blue tank hooked up to the vat of oil. I assume the propane or, or whatever fuel they're going to use to light the fire. We don't get close enough to it for me to see what it says. There is some text on there, but I can't make it out because it's so small. So in this following clip, Shake is going to light the fire underneath the vat of oil. You know, it's that classic Aqua Teen fire. And then he's also going to coat the cow in batter and he uses one single bucket and he very, very quickly coats the whole thing because we don't see it. They go off screen for him to uh, to batter it up. But uh, I got to know how he did it because that's not that much batter. He batters the entire thing beautifully. I think our buddy Kalani needs to look into this and figure out what kind of culinary magic Shake is working to get this cow coated so quickly, so evenly and with such little batter. This battering process, though, it's not clean because Meatwad does get splattered a little bit. Then our last visual element that I need to mention is that Shake will start injecting the cow with a giant syringe full of cheese. Also, I should mention that the oil starts boiling right after Shake lights it. That's pretty quick, man. That's a lot of oil. That's, that's not a very big flame. It's just boiling instantly. That's crazy. I used to work at a restaurant for a short period. And that deep fryer, it takes more than 0.1 seconds to start going, man. You got to give it some time. But look, they don't got time in this universe. They got to fry this whole cow. Let's jump into our scene. We're flash frying this mother. Carl, <laughs> stand back. Whoa. Or oh, is that batter? That's batter. Carl, take it up. With bloods. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You take it up too high. How am I going to inject the cheese? The cheese? <laughs> oh, yes. What is that, cheddar or pepper jack? Both. You are the man. <laughs> There's pork in here, too. See, I rolled it in ranch dressing, and then I force-fed it to her. How do you think she died? Natural caution. <laughs> All right, this is going to be so good. So I forgot to mention, yeah, Carl does hoist the cow up a little bit. How? I don't know. We don't see him actually touching the crane or anything. It just happens. And a nice visual touch that when Shake is injecting the cow, we do see the image start to warp and distort. It gets bigger as if mass is being displaced by the cheese being injected inside. Shake reveals this cow's cause of death, which was being force-fed pork rolled in ranch dressing, which is really sad. It's kind of a sad way to kill something is to overfeed it. But some humor there. And at the very beginning of the clip, we had Shake coming in like, I'm flash frying this mother. And then Meatwad just goes, yeah, as if Meatwad even knows what's going on or anything. But I love how he just wants to be a part of this little group here. And just great to see Carl so happy. You don't see it a whole lot, so it's it's a little charming when it happens. He's just giggling. He's all excited. He's hyping Shake up. Just love seeing these guys all get along because we don't get it a ton in the show up till this point. And look, I understand why. I get why they cannot be buddies all the time. The show wouldn't work if that were the case, but I like when it happens. Something that I should have mentioned earlier is that this is taking place on Labor Day, and Labor Day is in September, so we can assume they are currently in September. Who knows which year, though? Obviously, we've had discussion on that in the past, specifically in the Super Bowl episode. But that's all besides the point. Just so you know, it is September in the Aqua Teen world in this episode. So we got the cow fully battered, injected with cheese, ready to rock and roll. Let's see what Frylock thinks about this. Ugh. Well, y'all go on ahead and have your little heart attack. 
Meatwad and I are gonna have us a healthy Labor Day. Ain't that right, Meatwad? Yeah, I do that when I'm dead. Inject me with some cheese. <laughs> Submerge! <laughs> it's gonna take a minute, Kyle. We just gotta hope that the bowels don't release after hitting the hot oil. So we drop the cow into the giant vat of oil. It instantly starts getting a nice crisp on it. You know, this cow, of course, not skinned nothing. They have all the fur on it, all the hair on it, everything. That's so gross. But that's what they're doing. Want to point out that Shake throws down the syringe. It explodes. Of course, what else would you expect it to do in Aquatine? And now Meatwad's coming into frame with a little pink frisbee. He wants to play some frisbee. We've seen this frisbee before. Specifically, I think the first time was also the space conflict from Beyond Pluto episode in season one. And before we get on with the Aquatine stuff, got to say I'm grilling out later today. Excited for it. First grill out of the year. And this episode's really making me look forward to it. Looking forward to making some burgers. Mm-mm-mm. Not flash frying a whole cow. I feel like, uh, you know, this episode isn't a great guide to that because I feel like there's a lot more you'd want to do. You'd want to skin the thing. You'd want to take all the, some of the organs out, especially the intestines, all that nasty stuff. But Shake and Carl, they're doing their own thing, I guess. And I'm doing my own thing. What can I say? But back to our scene here, we have Meatwad approaching with the Frisbee. I want to point out that, you know, Frylock was just disgusted by this. He tried to say, let's go Meatwad, but Meatwad wants to stay. He likes what's going on. He wants to be one of the boys. So Frylock is just gone now. We are about to get a far shot because we're going to get a visual joke of Carl taking the Frisbee and telling Meatwad, all right, go long, go long. And then Meatwad just goes really far out into the street. So we get a far shot of that. We see that Meatwad is really far away, and then Carl is just going to throw the Frisbee up on their roof intentionally, not even five feet away from him. He's just going to chuck it up there and like, oh, shoot, I guess we can't play. So Carl being a dick to Meatwad, they're not quite getting along as well as they did in the MCP Pants episode. This is more of a Shake and Carl episode. But yeah, the point there is we pull out, we see Firelag is gone. Great visual gag there. We will get a ladder into the the vat of oil. This is a nice touch because we see Shake on the ladder. He's looking in there while they're doing this frisbee thing, but then later he's not on it. So I'm not criticizing that. It's interesting that they decided to do this to have Shake doing all that in the background. Really, they don't focus on him going up on the ladder and looking into the vat of oil. But yeah, he's monitoring the process, and this is really flash frying because the whole thing will go quick. But the cow's not done yet. Let's jump into the scene and check out some frisbee action. Hey, while we're waiting, does anybody want to throw the frisbee? Yeah, yeah, go along. All right, I'm going along now. Little further, little further. <laughs> How far? Over here? Little further. Okay, whoa. All right, this is in the street now. Here we go. Oh, <laughs> shoot. Almost. Oh, come I get the ladder. Poor Meatwad, man. He just wants to play. It's so cute. He's so excited to play. He goes, he goes, uh, I guess, quote, running off. Like, all right, all right, all right. He's so excited. Then Carl just <laughs> throws the frisbee on the roof. Kind of a funny joke, though, because Meatwad says, oh, I'll get the ladder. But when he says that, Shake is literally on the ladder right by the roof. So it's not really a big deal. He could easily get up there. But the cow is done anyways. It's chowing time, not time to play frisbee. And I measured how long it took them to cook this cow because this all appears to be one continuous shot or scene or what have you. There doesn't appear to be any sort of time lapse or anything like that. It feels like they drop the cow in, we're there the whole time, and then they pull it out. And I got 26 seconds. Very impressive. Takes much longer to make a burger. And hopefully that can be useful to Kalani when he figures out how to flash fry this mother. So yeah, it's chowing time. I'd like to point out that that ladder is just completely gone. We never saw Shake get it. We never saw him put it away. He was just on it for a brief moment. Nice little touch there. They pull the cow out with the hoist, and 
we see the udders are exposed now and they are kind of pulsing pulsating uh whatever you want to call it and then they burst cheese goes everywhere the cow is crispy carl's not mad about it let's listen to that short clip she's ready quick black the oil off before the udder oh. uh, great hey no harm no foul plenty of cow left so yeah carl not phased by that and Frylock is going to be back in the scene now, seemingly where he left off, even though we know for a fact he wasn't there during the frisbee moment. I suppose it's possible he just went back to Carl's backyard to keep working on his tofu steaks, and now he's coming back to uh, see what all the fuss is about because he heard the cow being taken out and the udders exploding. So yeah, Frylock is back and he's going to ask what Shake plans to do with all this oil. So, uh, what are you gonna do with all that oil? Well, I guess, uh, gee, what will we do with the fat of a hot oil? I'm gonna tip it over. <laughs> whoa, 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 we're not doing that. Look, relax. I am respectful of my Earth Mother. Now, let's tip. You're not doing that, Shake. <laughs> Look, that oil needs to be disposed of properly. You know the river is over two miles from here? The river is not where it goes. They have special places that will take this. And one of them's right down the street. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> Why don't you go do your nails? The men are eating. So we have Meatwad there in the street eating out of the bucket of batter. We have Carl just laying there gracefully eating this cow with his bare hands. He's just covered in the stuff. But otherwise, we had that whole conversation there between Frylock and Master Shake. Master Shake planning to just dump the oil over, which you absolutely cannot do. Reminder, you can't put oil down the sink. Don't do it because it can kill people. The people that got to go down there to do whatever you got to do down there in the sewers or what have you, it can cause deadly gas buildups. Don't put your oil or, or fat or anything down the sink. What I do with mine, I know you're dying to know. I know that's why you've been listening to this podcast for however many episodes to know how I handle my oil. I drain my stuff over a plastic bag in a colander, and I collect it in the plastic bag, I tie it up, I throw it away. Is that the exact right thing to do? I don't know, but it seems to be better than putting it down the sink or in the toilet or whatever people do. Don't do that stuff. So of course, it's never revealed where the Aqua Teens really live. We just know Jersey Shore. It's kind of vague on purpose, but I did Google Jersey Shore used oil disposal, and I got that for the Ocean County disposal site, which... Ocean County, they do have some Jersey Shore land, so this should be in the area. So, it says, Cooking oil is accepted for recycling at Ocean County's northern and southern recycling centers. Collected material is 100% recycled. Residents may bring a maximum amount of 5 gallons per household per day to either facility during normal business hours. Now, I would love to somehow figure out how big this vat of oil is and, you know, divide that by five, figure out how many days it would take them to bring all this into a similar facility. But because of the sizing discrepancies found throughout the show, it would be difficult to do that. I feel like my time would be better spent elsewhere. Let's just say it would take forever to bring all that oil in if you had to do it in five gallon increments also i'm left wondering how much it would cost to buy all this oil to do this uh you know shake look he never has money he doesn't have money for for popcorn at the movies but when it comes to the real important business he's got the cash for it so that scene ends with everyone eating the cow except for frylock and meatwad's just eating batter but like kalani says who knows what he really gets into after we leave we cut to a week later, we get kind of a an instrumental hip-hop track over just us panning over their roof, revealing that the oil is still there, there's flies all over the place, we have rats everywhere, there's a dead rat in the oil, it's really disgusting. 
I feel like they might have wanted Schooly D for this, but maybe they wrote it afterwards. Who knows? But yeah, no Schooly D in this upcoming cut, so I'm not going to isolate it. But yeah, it's been a week. Oil's still there. Let's hear Frylock address it. <laughs> Shake, I've given you a week. I've been calm. <laughs> I've been nice, I've been cool about this, but I want that fryer out of there today! Blah, 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 blah. Well, I'll do it. But wait till ramping up 46 years about this. Who's that? Hello? The chat room? I have a life. So in that clip, Shake was sitting in the green chair watching TV. Side note there, thanks to Video Killed the Radio Star over on YouTube. Link to this in the show notes. The song playing is Adelorido composed by Eugene Cordero from the album International Volume 1, just some stock music. And if that music sounded familiar, that's because it was used in Aqua Teen previously in the episode Super Squatter. But anyways, Shake is sitting there watching TV, and then Frylock chastises him, he gets up and he kicks the chair to the back of the house, and it bounces back and hits the wall by the TV, and it just randomly sets on fire. Obviously, hey, it's Aqua Teen, it makes no sense, it's very funny. And I like that the fire is big enough you can see it in, in more detail than we usually can see it in. This being, of course, the Space Ghost Aqua Teen campfire that I talk about all the time. And yeah, you can really see a lot of the detail in it and also see how poorly placed it is on the chair and just how fake it looks. It's very funny. The last little bit there I want to talk about is Shake mentioning he's going to tell Ramp It Up 46 about this. This being his online friend, and I really wish we could see more of this. We could see Shake actually talking to this guy, get to know this guy a little bit. I looked up Ramp It Up 46, obviously nothing popped up really, so I have no idea what they're pulling this from. Maybe it was somebody on the Adult Swim forum at the time, no clue, but... Very funny that Shake is specifically mentioning his online friend. He calls the friend by his his online handle, not his real name. And it brings me back to a time when having an online friend was a novelty, was something like, yeah, my, my friend from the chat room. Nowadays, I feel like we probably all have online friends in some capacity, and it's just not really a big deal because our lives are so online at this point that you, you don't really think it's anything special. But back then, it was pretty cool. But definitely would love to see Shake on the computer chatting with his friend. Unfortunately, we don't get that. But what we do get is our next clip here. Shake is trying to push the giant vat of oil into Carl's yard. Hey, can I help you? Yeah, you didn't help me pull this into your yard. Frylock don't want it in ours anymore. Uh, yeah, no, we're not doing that. How <laughs> quickly we forget. You see that large bulbous gut you got? Imagine it on the inside. It's filled with flash-fried cow all right, all and right, cheese. All right, all right, all right. I will help you, and we will take it to a, you know, a proper recycling facility. I like how Shake is almost blackmailing Carl here, but with with the memories of, remember that delicious food I gave you? You gotta help me out with this. So, as you heard, Carl's like, no, we're not gonna push into my yard, but we'll dispose of it properly. And this has me thinking, I wonder what they did with the remains of the cow. Now, let's assume they picked clean every single bone, which I doubt. Did they just throw this whole cow carcass into the garbage? I mean, how did that work? I would have loved to see them try and dispose of all of that. I mean, I'm sure that would have been kind of a, a tough situation in itself, but maybe they just buried them in the backyard. Who knows? 
Moving on to our next scene, though, obviously we, we lose the comedic timing here because of the way the podcast works, but we have Carl ending the previous clip with, all right, we'll take it to a proper waste facility, and now we cut to them with it in the woods. How they got it here, who knows? I mean, this thing has to be so heavy. Oil is heavy. I mean, even a giant jug of oil, it's got some weight to it, so no clue how they're able to move this thing around willy-nilly without everything just spilling out. But whatever, they get it to the woods, and I'd like to point out here, it's the same woods we saw in episode 2, Escape from Leprechopolis, that we saw in episode 8, Revenge of the Moonanites, of course, both of these season 1. So this being the same woods, of course, you know, in Revenge of the Moonanites, they burned down the woods, so I guess it grew back, but yeah, that's where they are. But we don't just see woods backgrounds, we see some very distinctive trees that Shake and Carl are standing in front of, and they almost look like they have faces, and then in the clip you'll hear, turns out they do. There's what looks like eyes, those open up, they do have eyes, and they move in on Carl after the oil is dumped. And also I need to mention that right away, when Carl says, oh, do you have your side? Shake is going to run away. He's going to book it. He'll be like, yeah, I, I do, but he's just going to leave, leaving Carl there by himself. Shake will say, he did it. Let's give it a listen. Okay, you got that in? Yeah. Tip it over, then run like hell. So frickin' illegal. <laughs> hey, hey, where are you? He did it! Okay, fine, yeah, run! Hey, who's gonna arrest me, huh? The friggin' trees? <laughs> yeah! Oh, God. So to begin with, I'm surprised that Shake is even going through with any of this. You know, in Super Squatter, he doesn't pay any of the bills. But now he's actually trying to take care of the oil like Frylock said to, even though... You know, he's really leaving Carl to do the dirty work. I'm surprised that he even pushed it all the way to the woods. He's, he's going through all this just to not tip it over. But lucky for Shake, he gets out. Carl gets moved in on by those two trees. And because of that, Shake is safe and sound. He is sitting in the green chair with Meatwad. They're watching TV. In all of these TV clips, I just cannot see what they're watching. I, I see it's something in color. Some stuff is moving, but it's at such a weird angle, and it's the, the resolution is so small, I cannot make out what it is, unfortunately. I'd love to talk about it. I know in the later seasons, once we get to 1080p territory, in terms of the resolution of the videos, I will be able to make things out, because I, I went ahead to check. I, I can in some cases, but here that's not the case, so it'll be a mystery. Anyways, Shake and Meatwad are watching TV, and we'll hear the doorbell going off multiple times, and both Meatwad and Shake are kind of looking at it, and Shake is just being a total asshole, being lazy, and pretending like, oh, I'm gonna get it, like, really slowly, and so Meatwad actually just goes and gets the door. Meatwad gets the door. We don't hear any talking or anything, so I kind of would love to see from his perspective what he even sees, but he comes back with a strange-looking piece of paper, turns out to be a summons. Let's jump in and take a listen. Wow, somebody should really get that. <laughs> hmm. Somebody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh. Oh, good. Ah, <laughs> oh, you got it. Okay. <laughs> what is this? It's a summon shake. I know. I'm not dumb. Can you read it to me, please? So, since I'm sure you have seen this episode of Aqua Teen, you know the spoiler. This is Carl's skin. But the funny thing is, when Shake is handling this, it sounds like it's a piece of paper. They're using paper sounds as he's flipping it around. You know, Shake's just kind of uh, twirling it. He doesn't really know what to make of it because the joke is he can't read, even though somehow he can go on the chat room and talk. I wonder if he has Frylock do that for him as well. Back to me while answering the door, though. I mean, yeah, we hear there's someone there ringing the doorbell over and over and over again. And Meatwad just instantly comes back with the paper. Really, what did he see there? 
Gotta wonder. Moving on to this summons, though, I have upscaled it with AI, technology, and I, I can make out some of what this thing says. So at the top, it says notice to appear, and then I can make out shake man, it says on there. And then further down, it says in the forest. Further down, it says illegal dumping of what I believe says hot goo. And then a little bit down, there's some word I can't quite make out, but then it says tree. Under that, there's just a giant guilty. <laughs> so they've already deemed him guilty. And then at the bottom right, it says death. So that's written somewhere, I assume, for the proper punishment is death in this case, which is, which is just great foreshadowing because we will get to that. But first, let's listen to the Aqua Teens read it. Frylock is going to decipher for Shake what this all says. I guess you did dump that oil after all, didn't you? Yes, I took care of it, like you told me to. In the woods. Hey, come on now, you don't know that. Oh <laughs> yeah, I do, because this is a ticket for it. From the woods. So not a whole lot to discuss there, because I already kind of outlined everything, but Frylock is angry because Shake just came clean that he dumped this in the woods. But they're going to start questioning what this is all about, because the summons is strange... And then Meatwad is going to point out, hey, what's this giant tree doing in our yard? Has that always been there? Obviously has not, but there, there's just a, a gargantuan tree in their yard now. So let's continue on with this scene. From the woods? Yeah, from the woods? What the hell hey, is it? Have we always had this tree out there? Yes. <laughs> I need to be more observant. My wife's always on my back Who's about it. Who's talking to you? Will you let us talk? <laughs> now get the gasoline. It's blocking the yard. I love this little interaction here. Meatwad's just like, oh, I need to be more observant. And then Shake's just like, who's talking to you? Also, Meatwad's saying he has a wife now, which is a fun little joke in this episode. Of course, because, you know, Meatwad's basically a child. Now suddenly he has a wife. And we will come back to that in this episode. But I actually had an experience just like this last month, I think. So basically it was nighttime. I went outside to go to the mailbox to mail my wedding invitations because my fiance and I just finished, you know, getting those bad boys all put together, enveloped up, everything like that. So I walked out and put them in the mailbox, didn't think anything, went inside. And then later I looked outside and, you know, it's nighttime, but there's street lamps out there. And I see a tree is planted out there in our front yard, kind of by the streets. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, was that always there? Like, no, like, it couldn't have been. I, I haven't seen that until now. And my fiance is like, yeah, that must be new. That, that wasn't there a couple days ago. So it's established this must be new. And it was the weirdest feeling because like I said, I had gone outside not that long ago and I did not notice it there. Of course, in reality, I was probably just, you know, being unobservant and, and didn't see it. But I was trying to convince myself that, oh, no, that wasn't there when I went out. That must have gotten planted within the past hour or so, which, of course, is absurd. Who's planting trees in the dark? It doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, I, I just had a similar experience. Hey, what's that tree doing out there? It was just bizarre. You think you'd notice something like that. Now, in my case, it was a small sapling. In this case, it's a giant tree that looks to be hundreds of years old. But tomato, tomato. And to be clear here, I live in an HOA. It's a newer home, so they're still kind of doing some, some stuff here or there. So I guess they just decided finally to put these trees in, and I just didn't know about it. Where my HOA stands on cloning money and a cloner you bought off Amazon, I'm not completely sure. I suppose I'll find out one of these days. But yeah, I wanted to clarify there just so somebody's like, wait, what? Someone, some random person put a tree in your yard? No, uh, I, I assume it was part of the plan the whole time. I just didn't know about it. Anyways, moving on with our Aqua Teen episode. Luckily, I just got a normal tree. I just let it live there. The Aqua Teens, though, or, or rather Master Shake, that's not how he is handling this. In the previous clip, Shake said, get the gasoline. 
this tree is blocking the yard and then we cut to the tree it's just cut down and on fire in their yard it's a giant tree big flames let's check it out well looks like you got another summon shake and this time it's for setting that big tree on fire that's incredible isn't it i have yet to see a welfare check but this is my second summons in two days your tax dollars at work, Frylock. <laughs> oh, and it also says here that you didn't appear at your court date yesterday in the woods. Come on. <laughs> they got nothing on me. So that's Frylock holding another sheet of, of pink paper. This time we don't actually see the front, so I can't read anything off of it. But yeah, if you hadn't seen this episode yet, you'd be like, what's going on with this paper? Why does it look so weird? Of course we will get to that. Real quick, I want to mention the giant tree that's in their yard. It's just completely unrooted. And it's like, how did they manage this? There's no hole in their yard either. It makes no sense, but it's very impressive nonetheless. Lots of, of physical feats in this episode. With Shake and Carl moving that oil, which is insane. With Shake being able to move that cow around in a wheelbarrow. With them somehow pulling this tree out. It's just madness. In our next clip though, shit's about to get real. Shake's all cocky, like, oh, what are they going to do? March down here and come get me? And that's exactly what happens. We see the two trees from the forest uh, walking, which is an interesting animation. I'm surprised that they even did this. Basically, the roots are moving up and down as they are heading down the street to the Aqua Teen's house. As they approach, the grass grows really long in the yard. It's a really cool effect. They really went above and beyond for all the, the visual effects in this episode. From there, we will have two long pieces of what I assume is grass break in through the window, grab Shake, and pull him out. So he is being forcibly taken to tree court. What are they gonna do? March down here and get me or something? Oh, uh, yes. Hey, why is it getting so dark out? Oh, my God. Okay, me and my wife need to get out of here. Ah! Oh, no! I'm too young! Rylock! Have you seen my wife? <laughs> Yeah, just super impressed by that grass animation. If you get the chance to to watch this episode, I would suggest really paying attention to that because it's probably the best effect that we've gotten in the show up until this point and probably for a while afterwards too. And then we also get the conclusion of the Meatwad wife storyline. He can't find his wife, probably because she doesn't exist. Although, you know, if you've seen the end of the series, eventually Meatwad does get a wife. So his dream kind of comes true. Anyways, Shake was taken, and now we are going to cut directly to the woods, and we will see the giant vat that Shake was boiling oil in. Now there's no oil in it because him and Carl tipped it over. I didn't mention back at the part where they tipped it over, though, uh, or, or rather when Carl tipped it over because Shake bailed. There's a really cool effect on the ground with the oil seeping into the grass and everything. That's a cool effect as well. So again, this, this episode just really effect-heavy. It's really crazy. But yeah, we cut to the woods, Shake is in the vat, and Frylock and Meatwad are there. I, I guess they just went to the woods to find him. Shake, are you in there? What are they gonna do to me? I wish I could tell you, Shake, but I don't know. I don't care. It's gonna be fun to see. I can't go <laughs> to the big house! I'm not building them too pretty! They'll tear me up on the inside! I love how they are having... Like, different versions of Meatwad in one episode here. Typically, you'd either have an episode of just the sweet, dumb Meatwad or the conniving, evil Meatwad and no in-between. But in this one, we're seeing both. You know, he's trying to get Shake's affection earlier in the episode. To some extent, he wants to hang out with them, play Frisbee. He wants to eat with Shake and Carl. But then now, when Shake is in danger, Meatwad's all like, Oh, it, it, I don't care what happens to you. It's going to be fun to see. 
So Meatwad, really complex in this episode, unlike the other episodes. Like I said, where he's a little one note, not not to knock uh, his character in any of these other episodes. I love Meatwad's character in just about every episode. But yeah, just just a little interesting touch here that he is maybe maturing a little bit. You know, he supposedly has a wife. His personality is growing. At the end of that clip, though, we had one of the trees moving up towards them. So let's continue on. We're finally going to hear from the trees. Back to the voice actors really quick. I've been sitting here forever going back and forth on this. I could see the older tree being Dave Willis, or I could see it being Jim Fortier, because Jim Fortier, all over the internet, is credited as playing Carl Brain, not only in the Aqua Teen Hunger Force episode Carl Wash from season four, but back in the Space Ghost episode Sham Brain, which came out in the 90s. He was credited as Carl Brain there as well. So it's the same character that kind of comes back, same voice, and that sounds like the older tree. So it's possible that Jim Fortier is the older tree, but I've also seen him credited as the high-pitched shrub that we will hear from later. I just don't know. And then I have to assume that the younger sounding tree who does a lot of talking is probably Matt Malero because he does other voice work on the show. Again, though, I just don't know. Vishal Roney, Nick Incatanoat, Jay Edwards, Ned Hastings, those other guys, they do speaking roles on the show, but they're never these comprehensive characters a lot of the time, especially not this early in the show. So I have to assume those guys aren't playing these main tree characters. So... That's my best guess here. If I ever get a clear indication on who is who, I will mention it in the future and tack it on to this episode. Looking at the Adult Swim Wiki, Dave Willis is credited as the tree judge, the older tree, and Matt Malero as the stenographer tree, the younger tree, and then Jim Fortier as the court-appointed shrub. And then the other guys, it's just these kind of background voices you hear chiming in sometimes. My, my research kind of goes along with this, although I have seen Jim Fortier credited as Carl Brain. I don't know. Let's jump into our clip. The younger tree is approaching. Let's see how the Aqua Teens handle it. Um, hey, is the defendant a Jew, though? Daddy, daddy, you're back from your business trip. <laughs> and you're sober? Shake. Mommy moved to the city with mommy's friend Jerry. And he tried to hit me, daddy. Not like you do. <laughs> in an extra mean way. How old is the defendant? He's, uh, 21. 21? <laughs> 18. How about 18. 18. No, wait, 16. Um, I think he's 16, okay. We shall find his age. Cut him in half. Count his rings. Okay, I'm an adult, okay? It's fine. So just a lot going on here humor-wise. We have Shake pretending to be the, the tree's son so that he won't get hurt by them so he can get out of, out of trouble. And then we also have the joke of Shake's age. They go from 21 to 18 to 16 to adults. They, they couldn't really figure out which one the trees wanted to hear. But also that goes into a reoccurring joke of the Aqua Teens just not knowing how old they are. Moving to our next clip, the younger tree is going to ask Shake to sign this sheet. And he hands him what is clearly a piece of Carl's stomach. We see the belly button. We see all the hair and everything. He hands that over. He needs Shake's John Hancock on that bad boy. Can I get you to sign this sheet? Just sign it. The sheet's already full of hair. All right, I'll get another one. Oh, you're not going to do this. Don't, hey, don't, don't do it. No, 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 no. Okay, sign the sheet. Anywhere or? Not in the hair. Look at me. They've been using me as a post-it note. Hardlock, you got to get me out of here. Get us both out of here. Come on. So that is Carl being lowered from the trees. He's being held by 
branches. He he just comes down from the sky, and they just in this really gory, horrible animation rip a piece of flesh off of Carl, and that's where they've been getting all this paper from. I'd like to point out that Shake was clearly handed Carl's stomach because there was the belly button, all the hair. But then we see Carl, and he still has his stomach intact. We only see one piece of flesh missing. We never really see any more flesh actually missing from Carl, even though they will continue to pull lots and lots of it from him. Which makes sense, because that would require a bunch more drawings, which they did not have the budget for, so they just have this one mutilated Carl perpetually getting flesh ripped off of him. What a horrible fate. But yeah, we see this episode quickly going in a very dark direction, which is fun, because the first half of it is pretty fun and, like, lighthearted, because they're just having a cookout and all this stuff. It's just absurd. And now we get into some dark territory, so it's a cool change of atmosphere. So, moving on, Woodcourt is about to begin. Woodcourt is now in session. If you do not have a lawyer, this shrub will be appointed for you. Guilty! Guilty! My clients plead guilty! <laughs> He's my lawyer! Frylock, help you! You gotta oh, help All right, me. all right, all right. I want you to tell me the truth, though. Did you do this? Frylock, come on, you know me. How long we known each other? You did it. Of course, but listen, <laughs> the point is that they don't know that. They can't prove it. They're friggin' trees. I like how Shake is saying all of this when he's surrounded by all the trees. They could obviously hear this. But you heard it, though. It's not really fair that that court-appointed shrub just runs out there claiming guilty, guilty. He is not looking to fulfill his duty as a lawyer, which is giving somebody a fair shot. He is just, hey, he's guilty. He's not a tree like me. He's guilty. As I said, there are other trees in the scene at this point. They just look similar. They're, they're trees with little faces at the bottom. There's not a whole lot to describe, really. But the court-appointed shrub looks different. He has more of a humanoid body made of wood, and he runs out. He, he's just a little guy, as you can hear by his voice, too, compared to all the giant trees. Frylock is going to represent Shake, though, and we move on to some evidence that the trees have. They are going to drop down a log just from their branches, and that's supposed to be their television set, so... You'll hear some silence and then the trees will react because they're supposedly seeing the evidence of Shake doing this. But we, the viewers, don't see anything and, and that's why you'll hear just some silence because it's total nonsense. So let's proceed with Tree Court. Please note Exhibit A on the wooden video. You will clearly see the accused dumping the oil. Frylock, I'm telling you, it's not me in that video. Because that's nothing. There's nothing up there. What the hell is this? Is Silence. Exhibit B. Advance the wooden video to the accused setting fire to Big Ralph. Guilty as His name was Ralph? <laughs> Shake. So yeah, Shake is in trouble. We, we already knew this, though. For dumping the oil and then for setting fire to Big Ralph for killing him. Although it's funny, because Shake actually didn't dump the oil, Carl did it, but Carl is not the one on trial. Carl has just been taken prisoner and is being treated, you know, illegally by these trees. While Shake is on trial, even though he didn't dump the oil. So quite interesting here, I wonder if there was a, a script rewrite that, that made it end up this way, or they just didn't care, I don't know. Frylock is going to come forward and try and make a stand for Shake. If it would please the court, my client would like to... to... Oh, man, what is that called? You're guilty! He's guilty! Just say you're guilty! No, no, not that. <laughs> not that. Uh, what are you... Something else. Oh! It's, uh... Go to tree jail! Tree jail! Tree jail for you! No, no, <laughs> not that. Look, what do you call it when he... When he wants to get out of this? Oh, that's the sweet release of death. 
Yeah, evisceration by a thousand branches of a mighty oak. Guilty. Oh, guilty. Oh, guilty. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Wait, uh, can, can we do uh, like a conference or something? <laughs> I think we need to hire another lawyer here. We see Carl here like, all right, for everyone else, this is fun time make-believe, but I'm, I'm missing flesh. I am in pain. We need to do something about this. Frylock going on and on, though, about like, all right, so he did it, but he wants to get out of this. No idea what he is trying to figure out. I will go back and ask Megan if she knows anything about this, but I have to assume that this is no such legal procedure or precedent of, yeah, I did it, but I, I don't want to pay the price for it. As you can hear, though, there's a bunch of voices in the background, those being all the other people we talked about. All the trees are just like, guilty, guilty, guilty. And as this goes on, I, I hate to keep harping on this, but I really feel like it's Dave Willis doing this older tree, Matt Malero on the younger tree, and then that's probably Jim Fortier on this shrub, but that's just my guess. Moving on, Shake is going to come in. He is now covered in pieces of bark, and he is holding two twigs, pretending those are his hands. He is pretending to be a tree, and he is going to give a little monologue. Typical filthy humans. You have no respect for us trees. <laughs> he ripped my arms off. Shut up. I didn't rip them. Shake, you're making it worse. Go back to your strip malls where values are king. Look. So it is revealed that those little twigs, he ripped them off of the court-appointed shrub, and the shrub is laying on the ground with no arms. Say, he ripped my arms off. And Shake goes over there and starts hitting him with the arms. It's the funniest thing. This has to be a top 10 Aqua Teen moment for me, honestly. I, I didn't laugh super hard in this clip because I had just I just rewatched it so many times. It's so funny. I love the sound design on it. Him just wailing on this little this little twig thing with its little arms is so, so so fucking funny and in shake's monologue he says filthy humans he, and he's pretending to be a tree so he's a milkshake and, and nobody else there is human except for carl he's blamed i guess maybe in a way he's just blaming this all on carl but yeah it's almost like he's a human pretending to be a tree because he's like oh you filthy humans but he's not a human he's a milkshake pretending to be a tree but yeah to pretend to be this tree he rips off the court appointed shrub's arms Everyone is going to disregard this, though. You figured the trees would all freak out because Shake just mutilated the shrub, but they don't really care. Frolic is going to bring up again that they did it, but they're sorry, and the trees are going to have a little meeting here because, well, they're trees. Okay, how do I just say, like, they did it, but they're sorry? Um, hang on. Have you heard that before? I don't know. I've been on the bench for a hundred years. I'm not going to look stupid uh, here. I know. Cold. We know you've been there a hundred years. <laughs> we all know that. Look it up. Well, like, no, you look it up. You go get the book. I'm tired of getting the book. Books always, always have to get it. Okay, um, we don't know. We're trees. I absolutely love the younger tree coming in like, we, we know you've been on the bench for a hundred years. We know you always got to bring it up. I just love that little sassy, that little sassy talk back is so funny, so conversational. And they had to have been pulling from real life here because this is just too perfect. A little visual thing I picked up on here just from scrubbing around that clip. And by that, I mean, just clicking around it and looking at things. Uh, at one point, we see the two trees, and the older tree is way closer to the camera, and then we cut to the aqua teens, and we cut back to the trees as they're still talking, and the trees are way closer together now. It doesn't really make sense. Uh, it's just a weird staging thing. I think they kind of didn't keep the continuity up, so it's kind of funny to see that. But back to our clips, again, not a whole lot for me to really point out here, because they're just kind of standing around talking about this made-up law procedure stuff. The younger tree is tired of reading the book because he always has to get it. But then he's going to realize, hey, wait a second, 
did you said that he did it right uh wait, wait hold did he say that like he did it you did say that they're they did it they're sorry but they did it yeah no you said they did it not exactly court stenographer please read the minutes back to me oh i'm so i'm now the stenographer <laughs> when did that happen <laughs> all right hold on i'll play like i am hold on come here you don't need to tear it off to read it <laughs> oh. Oh, hang on. I think it's on the front. Check it again before you... Oh, wait. It was on the back. Oh, don't do that. Oh, here we are. I didn't write anything down. I just drew some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the tree now. They're, they're just fucking around with Carl, just ripping his flesh off as a joke. The, he, the tree's literally laughing about this at the end of that clip. And we, and we get a little cut to Meatwad. He's closing his eyes, grimacing, because he feels so bad for Carl. This looks so painful. Now, this wouldn't be painful for Meatwad, so I'm surprised that he can be empathetic enough to, to understand how this feels for poor Carl. Because for Meatwad, you could just take meat off and it doesn't seem to hurt him or anything like that. But funny that the younger tree is like, oh, so I'm the stenographer now. I love when Aquatine kind of brings up these these unclear work situations, like back in Bad Replicant, where Major Shake is given all these tasks, supposedly, by Emery and Oglethorpe. But then Major Shake is like, you never told me to do any of that. What are you talking about? I talked back in that episode, and I'm still living it to this day when you're at work and they expect you to do something. And it's like, well, nobody ever told me about this. Uh, when did, When was this a thing? I love seeing it reflected on Aquatine. Moving on though, Fralek is going to have a book just completely out of nowhere that is called Ye Old Book of Arboreal Litigation. At least I assume the end of the word starting with A-R-B-O-R-E is kind of blocked off by Frylock's fry because he's holding it. We never see a full picture of the cover, but I assume that's what it says. But it's a book made of paper and the trees are not going to respond kindly to this Funny that Frylock just has this book out of nowhere, but yeah, he ri he'll rip a page out and they will freak out about it. Knowing that things are about to get really bad, Frylock, in the best ending to an episode ever, he just blasts them with his laser eyes. Carl falls out of the tree. He grabs Carl and they book it out of the woods. Look, okay, okay, I found the book, okay? And it says right here on page 53. Paper made from trees. Uh -oh. Seize him. Seize him. Come on, let's go. So Frylock just absolutely saving the day there. And this is somewhat reminiscent of an earlier episode of the series, I feel like, where Frylock just busts out his powers to save the day. Again, Frylock grabbing Carl's foot and dragging him out to safety. And I love through all this, like, who knows how long Carl was there in the woods. We know it was at least one day. Shake never thought to check in on Carl or, or wonder where he was after the woods since Shake booked it from the woods when they dumped the oil. He never cared where Carl was. And just really sad that Carl was getting mutilated by the trees. Now look, dumping oil in the woods, that is not great, but I feel like this punishment is a little severe. Luckily though, everyone is relatively safe. We are outside of the woods. We see it burning in the background. The woods on fire yet again. We have Carl. He's just in a state of shock because of everything that he has gone through. Shake is still covered in all of the bark and he is kind of chastising Frylock for not having just done that sooner and gotten the whole thing over with. Mighty green of you there, Matlock. Oh, oh. I see you to wait until now to do that. You know, you're lucky trees are so stupid. You're both guilty as hell. You know that, don't you? Frylock, that was never proven in the wood court. <laughs> we are going to find the real person who did this. 
So Shake is like, yeah, that that wasn't me. It wasn't proven in court. We're going to find the person who did this. You hear Carl just mumbling in the background. Again, he's in shock. Totally understandable. Luckily, I was able to isolate just what Carl was saying because that is on a different audio channel than the normal voices. So I could just listen in. And Carl says this. Oh, I'm losing lots of blood here. Look at this. I'm making a pond and you know I need it. So a little bit gibberish, but also, again, he's in shock, so it makes sense that he just isn't making a ton of sense right now. Maybe, and you know I need it. By that, he means I need my blood. I need it to be inside of me, not making a pond. Now, note that we don't actually see blood. We don't see blood pooling or anything like that because this is Cartoon Network in 2003. For example, when Carl's skin was being ripped off, we would see some blood on that, but no blood like dripping or anything like that. I feel like that was probably going too far for the network. So again, we don't really see blood here because we do see some musculature where the skin is missing. It's not particularly gory. I should explain, though, what Shake says at the beginning of the clip. He says, mighty green of you there, Matlock. Nice of you to wait until now to do that. So Matlock was a mystery legal drama television series that started in 1986 and ran until 1995. So it had nine seasons. It starred Andy Griffith. So it was a pretty popular law show back in the day. But Shake is saying, yeah, that, that, that was pretty green of you. It, it was like a rookie mistake. You should have just done that to begin with. Why were we wasting any time there to begin with? You could just blasted those guys. We could have got Carl. We could have got out of there. But back to the end of that clip, Shake was saying, oh, I'm going to find the guys who did that. And now we cut right to the Aqua Teen's house in their living room. Shake is watching TV and he is kind of carrying on that thought. And uh, I am on a quest to <laughs> find the person that did. Hey. Hey! Hey, yo, yo, hey, whoa! What are you eyeballing this? So you you hear some beeping, and then Shake's voice gets a little muted there. It's because he jumps up, and then he looks out the window, and we get the perspective from outside. And we are going to cut to our next clip, where we see that the Aqua Teens are getting their entire yard paved. They're getting blacktop all over there so that there can be no grass, no trees, nothing like that. This is a security feature to keep themselves safe from any future trees coming after them for killing all the other trees and burning down the woods. I said I wanted level. I don't want a ramp. You're working, turkey. Come on. And level. Level. Who's paying for all this? Get in the closet. Hit the lights. So, th so that's Shake saying, get in the closet. Hit the lights when Meatwad asks... Who's paying for all this? Because obviously this would be expensive. And this is the kind of, uh, I don't want to say throwback, but similarity to Total Recarl because that's how that episode starts with Carl with the lights off hiding behind the couch from Frylock. Now they're going to do the same thing to get out of paying for all of this pavement that they're getting put in. The last thing I want to mention here is on the asphalt compactor that is outside smoothing out all this blacktop. It says Judith Dre Paving. And I'm not sure who that is, and that name will come back in Season 2 on something else. So we'll talk about it then. But I couldn't figure out who Judith Dre was. Maybe somebody's wife, maybe somebody's sister on the show. I have no idea. I would like to find out one day, though. But yes, that is Revenge of the Trees. Just a great episode of Aqua Team. But before I go on about my own thoughts, let's hop over real quick to the Anime Superhero Forum and see what kind of discussion was going on the night that this episode aired. First up, we have a negative comment from Rabbi and Rose, who says this. I'm seriously going to have to stop watching this show if the very, very, very nasty gross out, in quotations, humor ever present in season three does not stop. 
Now, they, some people called this season three at the time. We know it's season two. I think the reasoning for this is the first few episodes that aired in 2001, some people considered season one. Then the episodes in 2002 would be season two, and then all these 2003 episodes would be considered season three. Obviously, this is really season two, though, just because of how few episodes were ordered initially, split it up across two years. But yes, uh, Rabbi and Rose does not like this at all. And I, I understand why. The show is definitely starting to take a more gross-out humor turn, and it will continue on that way later on in the series but it definitely starts here and i get why someone wouldn't like that because space ghost didn't really have that kind of humor space ghost was just real fucking weird to appeal to adults because that's all they could do on cartoon network at the time well now things are starting to get a little bit more lax so they can get away with more like carl getting his skin ripped off over and over again now here in this episode i like that but i understand why somebody would not in later episodes i feel like the gore just gets too carried away to the point to where it's just kind of meaningless and just not even funny. It's just like, yeah, okay, I, I see it, but uh, it's not super impressive. So unfortunately, that's where the show kind of does go. Eventually, we'll get we'll talk about it when we get there, though. But this this commenter here on October twelfth, two thousand three, they already don't like the trend, and I assume that they don't like the later seasons. User Mog says, "Not too shabby. The tree court was good, but I wish they went on a little longer with the cow. That was pure comedic gold, and they breezed on by it with nary a glance." Oh, well, yeah, I totally get what Mog is saying here. And I kind of talked about it a little bit, too, that like that that whole setup was just such gold and they just kind of breezed past it. But but that leads me to a bigger point in this episode of just the pacing being great. But I'll get back to that once I give you my thoughts. Our buddy, the Landstander said Aqua Teen Hunger Force is on a freaking roll. The tree court had me in tears. And we have a lot of people just quoting that and saying, I agree. So Landstander, he was the head of the times in the commenting. User Matthew Williams comes in with this take on the gross-out humor. The gross-out humor works in Aqua Teen Hunger Force where it failed in Ren and Stimpy's Onward and Upward because it's more sparing and it's in tandem with great writing, so that is actually really funny. I have no problem with it because it works. And th that's how I feel too. I feel like the gross-out humor, they deserve to do it because there's just a lot of smart stuff going on behind all of that, which elevates the gross-out humor as opposed to the gross-out humor just being the joke of the episode. I'm really surprised here to see that this episode was actually kind of mixed on the anime superhero forum. Of course, I should mention this was called the Toon Zone Forum back in the day. It wasn't called Anime Superhero Forum then. Why they changed the name, I have no idea. But yeah, this one's actually mixed and I didn't really expect that. I expected this one to be more universally praised just because of how impressed by it I was. So let's move on to my thoughts. I love all the different facets that this episode had to offer in terms of the beginning. We had the buddy moments, then we get the the silly tree court, that whole section. The, the characters are in danger for a brief moment, but then Frylock deals with it, which is reminiscent of season one. Like I mentioned, we get the two versions of Meatwad. We have silly sweet Meatwad at the beginning, and then we have kind of an eviler Meatwad with his comment in the woods, although he didn't get a whole lot of speaking time there, which made sense because what does Meatwad really have to add to that situation? We do see his reaction to Carl getting his skin ripped off, though, this is, which is nice. We see Carl having a good time at the beginning, but then by the end, he is just really fucked up, and it's actually kind of sad. A second episode of Carl just getting absolutely mutilated and, and mistreated, which, which is sad to see, but I, I feel like both ways that they did it in, in this episode and in Total Recarl is funny, so I'm not too upset by it. 
I was just impressed by how well paced this episode was. I felt like there was no wasted moments whatsoever. I liked the way we evolved through the plot, and they just packed a lot into this, you know, 10-minute episode. So, just impressed by this one. I remember liking it well enough as a kid, but I remember not necessarily loving it, but I really loved it on this rewatch. There are so many just great lines in it, great moments in it. And I can't help but giving this one five court-appointed shrubs out of five. It's just a great episode. I understand why everyone loves it. I understand why everyone was excited to talk about it this week. And it's just underrated, I feel like. It, this one only has an 8.1 on IMDb, which is still quite high. It's still better than a lot of Aqua Teen episodes. But I feel like it could be higher. I, I just, I don't know. I really liked this one. I liked everything it had to offer. It was fun going through it. A disappointing to not know who is exactly voicing who. One day we'll get there. One day we'll find out who's doing who. But until then, it's a mystery. But that's all right. The episode was just great. I, I loved Revenge of the Trees. And yeah, that's it for me this week. Thank you so much for listening along. Remember, next week, we do not have a normal deep dive. We have our comparison, finally, between Rabots and the rough draft version that is on the DVD, which actually has a lot more footage and, and all sorts of differences. So excited to go through, see how that episode evolved into what we have today. For example, as I said before, in the Rabot episode, the Aqua Teens actually had a lab. It wasn't just Frylock's room. They actually had a lab that it said lab above it and everything. Excited to go through all of that. So keep an eye out on the YouTube channel there. Link to that in the show notes. I'll, I'll put some sort of thing up on the podcast saying, hey, that video's out. Check it out. Otherwise, I will have my conversation with Megan Rooney up next week as well, just so there's some more kind of uh, traditional podcast content on this feed. And then after that, we are jumping into Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary. And then the week after that, jumping into the Brood Wrap, wrapping up May. Hope you enjoyed listening along. If this podcast provides you value, if you like what I do supporting the show, it helps out a ton. You can head on over to patreon.com slash dancingisforbidden to support the show financially or just share the show, talk about the show, let other people know what's going on over here on the Dancing is Forbidden podcast. Until then, special shout out to Sean, Ian, Josh, Keenan, Hope to Dope, Captain Buford, Brian, and Robison. You guys can dump your oil in my yard any day of the week. I'll see you next week for all the crazy stuff we've got going on. And remember, don't put your oil down the sink. Bye-bye. What are you smoking? Because I ain't slow cooking, Jack. We're flash frying this mother. Oh.